0: Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is...
1: These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise.
0: So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile.
1: long and prosper. We'll go where no man has gone
0: before. Greetings and welcome to the Computer Resumed Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. <coughs> Writer. Director. Producer, editor, and star of the award-winning web series 1701, a blurred story. It's Matt Jennings. Yeah. Matt Jennings. <laughs>
1: How's it going, man? Uh, it is going great. It is going
0: great. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing wonderful. It's so good to finally talk to you. We've been uh we've been back and forth for a few weeks now, I think. because uh, you you initially reached out to me, right? i Trying, I'm trying
1: to remember our origin started. story. <laughs> um, oh muffins. Um, I don't remember how it started. I it seems like we've been messaging for at least a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I, I um, want to I think because you're you were promoting the short film, and I think you found my show probably because I am involved with Cinema Shock, the the movie review show. And I that's probably how you found us, it, I imagine. It,
1: in some in some roundabout some roundabout way, I you know I with with social media now with with Instagram and, and Twitter and all those things, it's it's easier to connect to the, the Trekkie community. Of course. Um, whereas you know when I was like my early years of college and you know being a kid, uh, there was no real way to connect to to any you know like minded people in terms of liking Star Trek. Right. Um, right. So, you know, when I got to social media finally and I saw Star Trek fan pages and Twitter profiles and all these different things, it was it was another way to to connect and to um, to get involved in the community. Yeah, Um, yeah. there's a you
0: know, that that's one thing that I've experienced, too. And you probably speak to this a little bit as well as, you know, from stand up comedy and comic book creating. There's there's this feeling of. We're in a community, but I'm also trying to get jobs that I don't want you to necessarily have. So there's a little bit of a competitive nature, but with star Trek, it seems to be uh, from my experience so far with the show is very much, Oh, you, you like the stuff too. Come on.
1: Let's yeah. Yes. Let's, let's all go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> let's all <absolutely>. boldly go. <laughs> it's, you know, it's such a, it's a community. It's, yeah. um, yeah. It's a family. You know, my, uh, my mom took me to my first Star Trek convention when I was six. Wow. Um, and they're, so, out, uh,
0: they're out in California?
1: Yes, uh, in I think it was Pasadena. That's where the convention was. And I just remember uh, I was in the car with my mom and my stepdad, we drove past the convention center and on the, the uh, electronic sign, there was like a little digital uh, shape of the enterprise and nice. said star trek convention, and we drove past it and i got really sad because i thought we were just driving by and then the car loops around and goes into the parking lot um <laughs> and then my mom opens up the the trunk of the car and she pulls out my uniform and just hands it to me they had it ready to go
0: nice
1: oh that's um, so
0: cool man
1: and like i <laughs> you know it was it was one of the one of the best memories of of my life was that oh, that first convention
0: that's so great. I have yet to go to a Trek specific convention yet. <gasps>
1: I'm I know.
0: Really? I know. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, Chicago was staring me down this past year and yeah. I was just like, I really, really want to. I, and for, you know, scheduling and uh, right. financially, it was just like, I just can't make it happen. Yeah, this that's year. a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. uh was, what was your first, uh what was your first first exposure to
1: Star Trek was it a show was it a movie so uh, my first exposure uh, i so there there are two there're two of, uh, two stories here um and i'll try to make them a little bit shorter but we we've, so, we've, we've got time man got you time. go right ahead <laughs> okay all right the the unedited the extended cut here we go <laughs> so uh, my first exposure i was uh, in my mom's apartment i think it was about 4 years old and I had my Grover doll with me, um, and this is my mom's memory of my first exposure. I had my Grover doll with me in my rocking chair, uh, and she she turned on Star Trek, and maybe it was in a, maybe it was the original series. Um, but I was I was sold. Uh, I was sold after that. I think before that it was Thomas the Tank Engine, and then it just went from trains to starships. Nice. Uh, that was Very just a cool. transition. Um, the <laughs> earliest member that I can. Have fairly clear in my head uh, was I was staying in my um, my my babysitter my aunt's uh, apartment, and a trailer for the series finale of TNG came on TV, uh-huh. um, and I just remember thinking, oh oh, this looks so interesting. Oh wow, the show is over. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I was watching it before that because you know your you, your memories as a child, you yeah. It's all a little fragmented, you know, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're not quite able to, but I remember that trailer for the finale of TNG. And I remember thinking, I have to watch this. I have to see what happens. Um, so that's my my earliest memory memory that is fairly clear in my head of, uh, of Star Trek.
0: Nice. Um, so, uh, you know, with the exposure to TOS and TNG, did you enjoy much more of the... Uh, of the TNG era later, like TNG Deep Space Nine Voyager, and
1: eventually Enterprise. Oh yeah. So I after after TNG, I I had to stay up on on all of it. Mm. Um, I know that I was watching Deep Space Nine again. Some of these memories are so fragmented yeah. um, from back then. But I the earliest memory of DS9 that I have is the season two finale of DS9, um, where we we meet the the Hadar for the first time right um because I remember that I remember that trailer and I remember that episode mm. um, and then obviously generations came out that same yes. year and that is for me that's that movie I know some people some fans aren't crazy about that movie but that movie to me will always be my favorite uh, for so many reasons um, oh, yeah. you know it's the first time that we get to see the next generation crew get this big budget movie treatment you know. Yeah the, the enterprise enterprise D is redone and looks gorgeous on screen. Yes. The, the bridge of, of the enterprise D is updated and looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me very personally um, it was my first exposure to, to death. Um, really? You know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in that movie, Captain Kirk dies yeah. um, and, you know, we, We are so used to seeing up until that point, Captain Kirk being this, uh, larger than life Unflappable Yes Yeah And in some ways, immortal, you know, that, that figure that is just unstoppable Yeah Uh, and in this movie, he, he dies Um, and I, again, being a kid, seeing what I saw before and then seeing this movie where He's finally human He dies And, even though we talk about the way that we, he goes out and I know fans don't like the fact that he went out this way, there is something incredibly human about him going out with the bridge collapsing on his body and probably crushing his, you know, not to be too graphic, but you know, it's a, yeah, it's a very human circumstance to, to succumb to. Yep. Um, and there was something that I think as a kid, it really, it really hit me. And I remember my stepdad, and, and his girlfriend had taken me to go see the movie. Um, you know, Kirk dies. Picard and Riker have their moment. You know, the Enterprise is gone. I think that was another thing, too. I was not expecting for them to destroy the Enterprise. Yeah, like, yeah. What? The D um, is gone, man. Yeah, It was gone. And so all those things happen. Credits roll. Kirk does not come back, which is what I was waiting for. Nope. Kirk does not come back. And so my, you know, my dad and the girlfriend, they're like, hey, so... What'd you think? I was sobbing. I that was, was going to be
0: my question was, did you cry?
1: Inconsolable. <laughs> I was not okay that day. I remember. Um, yeah. I was on the subway with the, both of them. And I was just, I was not okay that day. They, it was like, I had left a funeral. It's its it rough. Was, yeah. It was hard.
0: It's especially like, as I've gotten older watching it and also seeing it's a little bit of uh, it's a little bit of Christmas Carol, like Patrick Stewart, especially as Jean-Luc Picard, there's been times throughout his tenure as Jean-Luc where there have been very Shakespearean things worked into the storyline, either by writers, right. directors, producers, whoever. Right. But um, there is an element of Christmas Carol in generations where he gets to see what his life could have been, could have been, and him understanding there's something bigger at stake, and having to physically reject, having to force his mind to go back to where he needs to, but also knowing he needs help and yes. getting getting that from Guinan, and like, and then you know jumping to where Kirk is chopping wood, which yes of all of all the different things like again wrath of khan we're 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 staring down the barrel of the 40th anniversary of wrath of khan where you know the the crews you know at the beginning they the crew is running the simulation the kobayashi maru yeah and things happen and then that screen slides open and he's backlit and just walks oh, in oh like, yeah super it's a great Super it's swagger great
1: introduction. Yeah.
0: T- tons of swagger. But I prefer the camera coming from around, you know, the bushes and trees and you see him just at peace,
1: just swinging Nothing that axe
0: works. and and he's and you, you see him, you see that especially when you watch generations juxtaposed to Wrath of Khan, where he's at a at Wrath of Khan, he's in right. a place in his happening. career where he's like he's feeling his age. Right, and, right. And he's not in a great place. Right. To see him, you know, this way, as opposed to questioning his career. And you see him just wanting one last ride. And, you know, in in those last few minutes of like, he's, he's, he's young Kirk again. There's a, did we do it? Did we win? Yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) Make me tear up right now. There is, um, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. There is a, a piece that, uh that he has and i think that's a also a testament to to uh to william shatner's performance as well as, as this version of kirk that we see there's a piece that he has in the nexus when he's chopping wood yeah. um when he's talking to to captain picard about saying oh god what is the line because i've heard it twice i think i think the first time they used it was in relics in tng and then kirk says it too um i've been um I've been around the galaxy. I've been saving the galaxy since your grandfather was in diapers. Yep. Um, there's this relaxed, you know, yeah. calmness that, you know, Kirk is telling Picard. Now you're too uptight. You have to relax. Yeah. And there was a time when Kirk, you know, and we saw it, you know, in his youth, there was a time where Kirk was very, very uptight.
0: Yeah. Amped.
1: Um, Amped. He's, he's cranked to 11 like yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so to see this Kirk, uh, that is just relaxed and is at peace and is and even in in death, um, in his last moments, uh, there's no regret. Um, I mean, to even, you know, to sum up the being captain of the Enterprise to to being fun. Yeah, it was fun. Um, <laughs> God. And, and then the, one of my favorite moments uh, in that in that moment as well is when he, you know, he says, oh, my. Um, I was about to say, like, oh, it's it's the first time we see him afraid. It is the first time we see him truly afraid. It, and there's so many ways that I that I look at it. And even my dad has, you know, said certain things. You know, so there's like this one aspect of it where it's like he realizes, wow, this is finally, this is it. I have it. I've beaten it before so many times, and this time I'm I'm not going to beat it. Yeah. Um, and then my dad had this other idea at the time and I was too young to get it then but my dad said you know he looks off and he says oh my and he's like he said I I wonder what he's looking at does he see angels coming to take him away what is he looking at in that moment what does he see
0: yeah
1: um again a testament to William Shatner's performance in that in in that moment as well but um where was I going with this? I don't know. What's I'm just this? enjoying the conversation, man. <laughs> well, you
0: know, I'll say I'll say this. Uh, you know, staying with the TNG TOS crossover, you mentioned Relics. I actually watched Relics not too long. I'm not gonna lie. I put it on for my dog when I when I leave the house.
1: <laughs> that's okay. I I used to I used to put on Murder She Wrote for my dog. My dog what? Cashew she loves Murder She Wrote. Oh, that's that great. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: my, my dog, Max, AKA Lieutenant Zam. Uh, he, when, when we fir- he's a rescue. And when we okay. first got him, I wanted like his first moment in our house. I wanted him to uh, equate being in our house and being with us with a very particular sound so that when he would hear that Ooh. sound, he would, he would recognize being home. Okay. And so I had it queued up, but I put my DVD of Star Wars episode four and I had it set. And so as soon as he came in, I hit play and there's the Fox fanfare. And then it starts with John Williams music. So any orchestral music slightly, you know, uh, you know, influenced even by John Williams, yeah, his ears perk up and he locks onto the TV. So, Aww. so when we leave the house, now that I'm going through star Trek and everything, yeah. I put on TNG for him. And between, okay. between the music of TNG and captain Jean-Luc Picard's smooth, calming voice. Right. Like, right. That's what I leave on for him. And, uh, but all that to say went through relics recently. And, yeah. um, My grandmother on my mother's side and uh, my wife's grandmother uh, also on her mother's side are both um, well, mine has since passed away, but uh, her grandmother uh, is also dealing with what my grandmother had Alzheimer's and dementia. And there's so many instances in that episode between Jordy and Scotty where Scotty through no fault of his own is a man out of time. And yeah. w- wants to, he wants to jump back in. He's a Starfleet man. He served, he served with Kirk and, right, right. you know, he's a miracle worker, but he's, he's woefully behind the times. And, you know, Jordy uh, played wonderfully by LeVar Burton, yeah. um, you know, saying to uh, James Doohan who it, you know, just looking at his face, you know, he, James Doohan. he's he's the he's the grandpa we all want to give a hug to
1: (laughs) there's an everyman quality to 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 james Doohan um that just that made you love scotty and it's it's almost the same thing i think with with o'brien as well with chief o'brien a little bit yeah too um where you just i don't know you just like you said you just you want to give them a big hug you want to be around them they just yeah, have that welcoming energy. James Doohan
0: is the grandpa who helps you recover from the, ha- from your hangover. Um, <laughs> Cole Meany is sitting next to you at the bar.
1: <laughs> that's,
0: <Yes>. that's it. <laughs> that's, I, I love those. I love those stories that show kind of a little slice of life of just kind of like, Hey, this is what's, this is what it's like dealing, you know, uh, being a caretaker for someone to a degree. Mm. I remember my Mm. grandmother uh, lived with us for the last few years of her life uh, until my mom passed away. And then she went back to live in Pennsylvania, but we were there and watching her the way I equated it was time travel. She's,
1: Mm.
0: she's an 80 year old woman at one point. And then at the drop of a hat, she is 16 on the farm and it's Sunday morning time to go to church. And it's like, to see somebody switch like that. Oh, you know, this little nerdy sci-fi kid, all I could equate it to was time travel. I, yeah. I mean, and, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's a, uh, I always tell people who are kind of in that position, like, Hey, that sounds very hard. I've dealt with a similar thing. You should watch this episode of star Trek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's going to be some stuff in there. And, you know, again, my grandmother has since passed away and, my wife's grandmother is in a nursing home now and her condition has, you know, steadily gotten worse over the last, you know, uh, two or three years. So it's been a lot of, Hey, here's what's coming down the road. Here's mm. what you, here's what's, you're going to have to be ready for. You know, yeah. she's going to want to say, she's going to want to call you. She's going to think you're somebody else. Yeah. Play the role. Don't, don't try to argue. Mm. Don't try to explain it's not going to do you any good. Just play the role. Wow. And it's, it, it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, like you actually have a little bit of control over their happiness in those moments. I feel like, cause sometimes it's, it's somebody they're so excited to see. Uh, yeah. So so just play the role. Don't break their hearts that it's not their it's... friend from childhood or whatever it is. Right. Just right. Play, just play the role and enjoy the happiness that they share in that moment. But, uh, anyway, well, anyways, we, we've kind of gotten off track here and I apologize, but uh, no, not at all. Wow. Um, yeah. so what was your, so here at the end of the TNG era is of yes. course enterprise Scott yes. Bakula and the whole host of fresh faces. What was your, what was your initial impression of enterprise? Oh gosh.
1: I, you know, there was so much, there was so much that was happening, uh, that year personally, Externally, obviously, with 9-11 oh, yeah. um, happening right before the yeah. series uh, came to television. Yeah. Um, I was starting high school, <laughs> uh, which uh-huh. I was I was petrified to start high school. Um, so I think, you know, Star Trek Enterprise kind of came at this time where, you know, you had this crew that was saying, we're going off into the unknown. We don't know what's out there. I was thinking, neither do I. Um <laughs> <laughs> so you know, both things kind of started at the it's, right time, and I'm glad it's I had it
0: there. Yeah, it's comforting to know you're not alone. Yes, <laughs> and God, that never stops. <laughs> it never no. ends, man. No, it doesn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I was I was glad that you know, enterprise came about at that time. Um, I think you know, I think it was it took some getting used to 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 be in this place now where you where nothing is quite working in, in the universe of, of, uh, of Star Trek at this point in history. Right. Uh, nothing quite works the way that it's supposed to. The crew isn't as as sure of themselves um, as, as, they, as they normally are in other, in other versions of Star Trek. And uh, I was talking with my mom about this like a few days ago as well. Um, you know, you've got Voyager, you've got DS9, you've got Enterprises... Seventeen oh one A B C D. You've got all of this history and yeah. all of this experience, and um, all these crews have these stories to come from. But now you've got the first crew, yep, and they're, you know, they're learning how to speak to Klingons. Yeah, I mean, what does Hoshi do in the first in the first episode? She Actually, maybe he did actually say Stanky Boots because I think he was a little delirious. The Klingon. You know, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. She's she's building the universal translator yes, it, and it's not perfect. It's not perfect. She's doing <laughs> yeah. it from scratch. Uh-huh. Um, pulse phase cannons instead of phasers. Yeah. Um, There's no have- such thing as red alert. Right. <laughs> right. It's all of these things that they're building from the ground up and, you know, and the captain, the the captain, you know, I mean, Captain Archer is just so, he's so happy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So happy. At at least initially. (laughs) Yes. Initially. Right. Initially. And, you know, it's all about exploration. It's all about just getting out there and, and exploring space and meeting new civilizations, and the sky's the limit with, with the optimism. Yep. Um, and, you know, me being a kid looking at 90s Trek, I'm thinking, oh boy, you have no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was very interesting to watch, to watch the bones of what, of what came after, yeah. you know, to watch the bones and watch all that being created. Um, I think, yeah. Yeah, it was just you know, it's it, it was uh, it was it was the beginnings. It was very interesting to watch as a kid. Again, you know, it took some getting used to to not seeing a self-assured crew, not seeing yeah. a self-assured ship, a ship that didn't have shields. Um, you know, we've got reinforced hull plating. That's reinforced. about it. <laughs> I was like, what is a re? You know, the, the tractor beam has a rope. Um, <laughs> it's not a beam. Yeah, they're basically
0: um, firing a plunger. Firing <laughs> just a,
1: hoping it sticks. <laughs> right. You know, there's what, like, there's no secondary hole, you know, it was just, it was a lot to get used to, but again, it's the bones of, of what was going to come after. I mean, there's some, yeah, there's some things that are great of like,
0: Hey, they have pockets. Flip side, flip side of the coin is just kind of like, oh, there's exposed beams. You, how many times do you think Scott bacula hit his head on that beam in his ready room? That's <laughs> hanging down like way too low. That's way too low to be hanging yes. there. <laughs> oh my
1: god!
0: I mean, it's exposed rivets. It it is basically a submarine. Yeah. It's basically a flying submarine. That's it. And I dug that because like you're having to duck around things and and yeah it's not perfect yet uh it's not yeah it's really wild and then couple that with like your first two seasons are still in that very episodic type structure and it's kind of like well who are we meeting this week you know oh we got ourselves in a in a bucket of syrup this time how are we gonna get out (laughs) and then we get to uh we get to the end of that season two finale yeah where the zindi show up they carve a new grand canyon in florida and then the zindi war you know season three yeah here we are at the beginning of season four where stuff has wrapped up but now things are different uh people people know who the crew are back on earth and they have they have thoughts and feelings about that they also have thoughts and feelings about alien races and how, how people deal with those. Um, Yeah. Tucker and to Paul to pucker, if you will um, get some downtime together. Such a hot
1: couple. Right. Such just, I mean, to me next to Jed Zia and, and Worf, they were my favorite. They were my favorite couple to watch and I, God, I wanted them to end up together. I'm oh, still feeling away yeah. about it. I wanted them to end up together so bad.
0: What I think I may do is at the end of this podcast's coverage of Enterprise is I'm going to put together an official, official pitch to CBS and say, hey, look, <laughs> I figured out season five and just send it to them. Because I think in that episode, did you watch uh, The Forgotten? where the the other enterprise or no e squared e squared oh, yeah. where the other enterprise shows up and yes. it's like from 117 years yeah in the past yeah. yeah that's your season 5 like when that when that enterprise initially goes and winds up 117 years in the past that's your season 5 so just mm. all the characters you can show all the characters have gotten older which all the cast members they're all
1: older now that's true that's very interesting and just
0: and let it play out uh it can be a short season five you don't have to do like 23 24 episodes just right right give us give us 12 give us one see give us a season five that just kind of wraps make it animated do do like star trek or do like star wars visions and get um some of these anime companies to to do it like look at stuff like legend of vox machina like (laughs) like their fan base is pretty rabid and they raised a lot of money really quick do you honestly think the star trek fans would not do something we yeah for for
1: for a season five (laughs) and it's like especially since now since lower decks has kind of i mean we we had the animated series in, in the 70s but you know lower decks kind of reinvigorated that
0: yeah well, animation has you know. changed. And don't get me wrong. I'll never bash Hanna-Barbera. But like the world of animation, the technology, the voice acting, voice directing, all of that stuff has grown in leaps and bounds Yeah, over the last 10, 20, 30 years or more. Yeah. Uh, you know, seeing lower decks, um, well, we'll go, we'll get into lower decks a little bit in the yeah. after show. Cause I do <laughs> want to talk to you about lower decks. Um, but with this particular episode, um, I think it's, lar- I mean, we're largely, f- this is the aftermath. This is kind of like yeah. when, when the soldiers come home yeah. and they, they don't, they're not on the front lines anymore. This is, this is life. This is, and, and the sun will come out tomorrow. And So here's tomorrow. Um, But before we get too much further into uh, this episode, let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J, Jerry Antamano, and Cosmic Crit. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert.
1: UPN. Friday on an all-new Star Trek Enterprise. It's good to be home. They've returned for the biggest event of
0: the season. Mother, he's your fiance.
1: A Vulcan wedding, for better, for worse. You really believe that a human and a Vulcan can have a future together? Till death. What if I declare the call to fee A fight to the death.
0: Archer and the crew are welcomed back to Earth following the successful Zindi mission. And there was much rejoicing. As Enterprise undergoes repairs and refitting, Archer is reunited with a former girlfriend, now Captain Erica Hernandez, who's been appointed to the NXO2, Starfleet's second Warp 5 starship, the Columbia.
1: Archer is debriefed by Admiral Forrest and Ambassador Saval. After
0: reacting in anger when Saval asks pointed questions about the Salaya incident, he's ordered by Forrest to take some R&R. All right! He chooses to go mountain climbing. To his initial annoyance, Hernandez invites herself along. That night, Archer dreams that he is attacked by reptilians, and Hernandez tries to help him come to terms with his memories and newfound adulation. In return, Archer tries to caution her that space exploration is not as idealistic as she thinks it is.
1: In spite of this, the two manage to rekindle their romance.
0: Returning to Starfleet Command, Archer is able to keep his emotions in check, and ultimately receives an unexpected thanks from Saval, who admits that he was wrong about humanity. Meanwhile. Doc Flox learns that some humans still hold a grudge over the Zindi attack, xenophobically blaming all aliens, and Flox's presence in a bar results in a brawl. Meanwhile, T'Pol, who's been invited to accept a Starfleet commission, takes the opportunity to travel to Vulcan to visit her mother, T'Less. When Trip mentions that he doesn't have a home to go to, T'Pol invites him along. On Vulcan, after a tense homecoming, she learns that her mother has resigned from the Vulcan Science Academy as indirect punishment for T'Pol's actions in Season 1, Episode 7. One logical way for her to restore her mother's position is to honor her engagement to Koss, a member of an influential family. Despite admitting to Talese that Tripp's in love with her daughter, T'Pol consents to marry Koss. Just before the ceremony begins, however, Tapal quickly kisses Trip on the cheek. Well lordy, frickin God! So yeah, we see uh the two big uh personalities on the ship, which I think those I, I think it's fair to say Archer and Trip are the big personalities on the ship. They're best friends, they came yeah. up together, they are the most charismatic characters, and so we get to see. Like I mentioned before, we get to see the aftermath of success and the price it takes, the toll that it takes on someone's body and mind. And then uh especially we see that in Archer with Trip and to Paul to Pucker. Uh, we see them, <laughs> we see them sort of finally getting to deal with their relationship. So the first yeah. thing you deal in relate. Oh, you got to meet my mom. <laughs> oh, have uh, have you had any interesting encounters with loved ones, family members <laughs> that you'd care to share?
1: <laughs> my ex boyfriend uh, lives well. His family lives in um, Aiken, Minnesota. Okay, um, which is a town of it's either five hundred or five thousand. It's a small town. Oh wow! For the most part, they're very accepting of of him being you know of him him being gay. What I'll say is that, you know, his brother, you know, we spent some time with his his older brother, and you know, his older brother was trying to understand the dynamics of of our relationship. Mm, mm -hmm. And his question was, so who's the boy and who's the girl? (laughs) And it's just (laughs) and and, you know, and okay. At the time, you know, my you know, my ex-boyfriend, he was upset, he was angry. And I was like, I I get that you are angry. However, what I want you to see is that he's he's trying to understand there's a certain amount of exposure that he has not had and this is his way to filter it yeah. he's, he's he's trying to understand so let's let's try to <laughs> let's try to meet him on his level yeah so he you know he just he had a lot of he had a lot of questions and again ex-boyfriend at the time wasn't happy i could see where the guy was coming from i wasn't i was incredibly mad because i was like maybe it's not politically correct but there's some exposure here that he's not had he's working with what he's got so I'm going to try to to share some info yeah I think out of out of wacky encounters that's probably they're going to be more that I'm going to think of I'm telling you now that's okay I didn't want I I mean that's that's
0: kind of a a a deep question to throw at somebody you just met for the first (laughs) time but I but I will say um Uh, Many, many moons ago when uh, the wife and I were first dating, uh, we had dinner one night with with her mom and her mom is uh, I think it's fair to say she's a little high strung, um, frequently puts her foot in her mouth Mm. and uh, without getting too much into what was said at the dinner table at the restaurant, when we got back to our apartment, when the three of us got back to my wife and I's apartment at the time. Um, I said, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go upstairs, use the bathroom right quick. And I forget what else, what all else we were going to do, but I went up to the, I went up to the upstairs bathroom, you know, did everything. And, uh, I, I couldn't hear everything they were saying, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I definitely heard my wife say to her mother, if you Ah! this up for me,
1: (laughs) no, no. Oh, oh no. Are you so, oh my God.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, maybe I should stay up here a little bit longer. <laughs> but at the same time, I was also like, Oh, she loves me too. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: She's Ready to go to battle for you. That is, oh, that is hilarious and yeah. endearing and all the other things in between That's Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it was, uh, it was, you know, um, I mean, I don't know that I've told all these stories, but the, so, um, the wife and I knew each other in high school, we wow. dated for a year, engaged for a year. This November will be our 14th wedding anniversary. So we're, yeah, we're moving right along. <laughs> um, she, uh, her mom and dad aren't together. Her father lives in Ohio. And, um, so when it came time to pop the question, uh, I I'm a bit old fashioned, sort of raised old, you know, my parents are very old fashioned anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, her dad's not here, but I'll ask her mom and her aunt, the, you know, yeah, yeah. the two, the two big ladies here, you know, in town, I'll, I'll ask them. So we all went to dinner one night and my wife uh, went with her cousin, her younger cousin, they went off somewhere else in the house. And I said, okay, before they come back, I want to ask Kat to marry me. I just wanted to get y'all's. I wanted to get y'all's uh, uh, blessing for mm-hmm. me, for me to ask her and um, her mom, who was a few beers in was, was very, uh, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> like, like, already crying and like, you know, arms out to give, <laughs> to give me a big hug. Her aunt, who's more, um, who's a little more straight laced, uh, mm-hmm. a counterbalance to her sister <laughs> um, was stirring something in a pot. I recall she was stirring something in a pot and I said, uh, her name's Meg. And I said, Meg is, is that, and she goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, that's fine. No. Oh, oh she was like, hold, she was uh. like holding it in, keeping it held up. I was like, okay, you guys can't be crying when she comes down the stairs.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, But before
0: that uh, yeah. I went to, I was like, well, okay. First of all, before I do anything, I need to go talk to my dad. Uh, I need to make sure like, you know, I need to get uh, unbiased third party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And so I took my dad to breakfast uh, one day uh, after I was working night shift at the County jail. And I was oh like, gosh. yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> I got lots of stories about that too. I bet
1: you do, <laughs>
0: but I called up my dad. I said, Hey, you know, I'm uh, I just got off shift. You want to meet at IHOP. And there was an IHOP between the jail and where my dad lives. And so yeah. we met, we met there and, I sat my dad down and said, Hey, you know, you always told me to find a woman that, you know, to find a woman like mom who, you know, is loving, caring, hardworking, and, and this whole laundry list of things. Mm. And, uh, I think I've, I think I found her, uh, mm. you know, I got, I got sick recently. Cat took care of me. She's been sick. I've taken care of her and I wanted to. Yeah. And like, you know, we just, there's times where our brains are just perfectly connected. Yep. I said, I, I I think I want to marry her. I think I want to, you know, ask her to be my wife. And my father said, uh, he said words I've I've never forgotten. He said, "So go get her." And mm-hmm. it was it was just him sort of acknowledging, like, "Yeah, you're a you're a man." <laughs> yeah, we've <laughs> yeah. rate. I trust the raising. Like you've right. you've looked at this thing critically, and you've looked at this thing with your head and with your heart. You've made your decision. And it sounds like you've made a good one. So mm. go forth, my son. <laughs> wow! Like, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, and it was, uh, and it was, it was a little strange because at the wedding, uh, of course, my 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 mom had passed away uh, when I was nineteen, so she obviously okay. wasn't there at the wedding. Yes. Um, but my dad brought a date, and a lot of people were like, "Is Todd going to lose it uh...
1: right now?" Did you? <laughs> Did well, you know that was I didn't. I didn't okay. know.
0: But at the same time like I went to everybody and I was like he's an adult man.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: He, he trusted me to make this decision.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm going to trust him to make his own decisions too. Yeah. And you know, it's dealing <sighs> dealing with family stuff is always such a it's a it's a tricky thing.
1: Yeah. It, it's a balancing alone, act.
0: Yeah, it's a balancing act not to mention when you add in trauma. Mm. Of any kind. Oh my god. Oh, you know, yeah. we, we're oh, look, yeah. we're looking at uh we're looking at Archer, who he's clearly got some PTSD. Oh,
1: oh yes. <laughs> the dream, the, the dream that he has. <sighs> um,
0: yeah we see one. If if we see one, you know there's dozens, there's oh.
1: dozens of dreams like that that he has. And I I remember watching, watching, because I rewatched the episode, and I remember thinking, you know, now that. I guess it came out when I was in my senior year of high school. So now looking at it again, I've seen it over the years, but you know, with the TV, the television that I've seen now and now looking at serialized television, looking at serialized Star Trek, mm. that could have been something that they ribboned throughout the rest of of season four is him dealing with dealing with that trauma. Yeah. The the changes that he's had, because it's, you know, we see this captain that you know, like I said, beginning of the series, he's he's chipper. Yeah, um, cowboy. And, you know, Are you yes. Kidding? Yeah. He takes, he takes his dog to to a planet yeah. that has you don't know what's down there, but he's like, I'm going to take the dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so we, to see that person go from that to someone in season three that is really just put under the gun, that is beat up, yeah. taken advantage of. He is. Yeah. He's just such a nice guy and he just gets taken advantage of um, in, in certain moments. And, you you know, we see this transition. And then by the time we get to season four, we see this not bitter. I don't want to say he's he's bitter just yet. We're seeing that, yeah. that transition of oh, we've, we're seeing that cynicism start to grow and grow and grow. And if we don't nip it in the bud, he can really just become a, a curmudgeon.
0: I think it's fair to say his adventures have hardened, have, have hardened him, have made yes. it. He's definitely his skin's a lot thicker now than it was. Um, yeah. And he's had to, he's had to swallow his pride on more than one on more than one occasion. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, and I think this, this goes back to stuff I've talked about throughout season one and two of enterprise was Archer was probably not the best choice for To be a diplomatic representative. He's little, he's little more than a pilot, but here we are. And he's, and he's the face, he's the face of earth and humanity. This is who it is. And so he had to, he had to grow up pretty quick and very fast and was not always successful. No. And that led to, that led to him making some tough choices and led to him making some not good choices, not right choices. You know, uh, you know, we, as, as the dust settled, uh, on nine 11, we started to see some of the stories, you know, being talked about and some of the issues of the day being discussed through enterprise.
1: Yeah. The torture, Mm -hmm. uh, marooning, uh, I can't remember the name of that that species, but, um, and I remember watching that episode and having a hard time with it, uh, as, as a teenager, because coming off of 90s Trek, where again you've had all these captains that have dealt with, or at least when they were in the academy, they were probably briefed on Archer, on Archer's missions and oh, said, yeah. You're gonna have to encounter this. These are the things you're gonna come up with. This is how you handle this, this is how you handle this. And then to see, you know, that episode where Archer, you know, strands this crew. Because he needs that. He needs that part. I can't remember what was it was at the warp coil. I think, yeah, it was. What, warp coil um, he needs the warp like coil to, yeah. to, to get to that, that meeting point to meet Degra. Yeah. Um. You know, it was, and I had to think about it, you know, I was like, wait, would I do that? Would I, would I do that? I don't know. I mean, granted, I was like 16, 15, 16 at the time, but this is, but I was, yeah, this is, this is stuff c-
0: you, It's stuff like this that you're going to deal with for the rest of your life. I'm yeah. like, Hey, do I, do I do I move away from my family to pursue this better career or do I stay close to home and, you know, and try to improve my situation here? Yeah. I've been on both sides of that. It's a tough call to make. And, you know, I I mean, and there, there are ramifications to types of decisions like that of like, Hey, this person wants me in their life, but they're toxic. I know, you know, they're close (laughs) friends of mine. I, Yes. And I I can't be around that person anymore, but they keep at it and want to rekindle the relationship that we had when we were in high school or in college or whatever. And it's just yeah. not that way anymore. And you got to have that tough discussion and you're going to end up being the villain. And that was something I dealt with in my, uh, that I've dealt with in my life. I'll spare the details, but, you know, understanding that You're not always going to be the hero of the story. Someone is going to see you as the villain and in all counts from their perspective, they're right. And so what do you do with that? Are you okay with it? Do you try to change it? Or do you understand that that is their story and you have to live your own story. You have to continue to strive and work and, and, and you make choices. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes there's lack of choices and you just have to take the best option. You have to choose the lesser of two evils. Well, to somebody, you just chose the greater of two evils. Well, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry you feel that way. This is my life. Feel free to take over if you'd like. (laughs) I'd like some help, honestly.
1: (laughs) Very glad that you said that. I have been experiencing something similar. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, not to get too much into it, but, you know, in terms of um, realizing that you're not always going to be the good guy. Yeah. And, you know, I, in my, my upbringing, you know, the way that I was raised, it was always to not rock the boat, put other people first, make sure you're following the rules, make sure you're on your best behavior. So along with that comes that natural instinct of wanting to always be liked, wanting to always be on the right side of things. And, you know, for the first time in my life, in some ways, I am experiencing the opposite of that and it's it's very human right it's very human yeah and it's honest it's truthful it's real it's uh it's different Mm -hmm. it's different but you know exactly what you said actually I needed to hear that so thank you
0: oh yeah absolutely and to to just cap it off for folks to so that it's not all doom and gloom here yes (laughs) I will say this that After, after the experiences that Archer has, you know, he comes home a hero and he comes home, not only a hero, but probably the greatest teacher that Starfleet could ever hope for at that Mm -hmm. point, at that Mm -hmm. point in time Mm -hmm. trip in his dealing with T'Pol and everything going on there and dealing with uh, T'Pol's mother to you know, it's kind of, okay, when the dust settles, what, what decision do you make next? And are you going to be, you know, you just, are you willing to fight as hard as you fought for this other thing that you want for this other position in life for, for your, for your love? Are you willing to fight for that too? And I can only say, you know, I was talking with uh, I recently gotten back into martial arts after too many years away. And uh, I was having a discussion with another instructor about pain Hmm. and what, it helps you do and Mm -hmm. how it helps you learn and how it can help you create. And, um, women have known this for a long time. Beauty is pain. And how do you get diamonds pressure? Right. So it's the, the crappy things you go through in life do end up informing decisions and refining your characteristics and your personality and your thought process for that next moment,
1: right and
0: right. Um, yeah, how much of that do you absor- absorb and retain? Um, you know, I think a lot of people try to avoid trauma at every turn. Understandably, there are horrible, horrible things in this world that should absolutely be avoided,
1: right? Um,
0: right. But there's other things where it's like, actually, this is probably going to be beneficial for me to go through this thing. It it's going to sting. It's going to sting a bit. Yeah. But now I know, and I can, I can, and I can proceed accordingly. And so there yeah. is, there is something, I mean, and again, everyone's threshold is different. What everyone considers trauma is different and, you know, experience, everyone's experiences are different. So it would be ridiculous of me to say, Hey, just go through it. Age uh, <laughs> <laughs> for yourself, uh, seek counsel, Uh, You know, talk with trusted friends and teachers and, you know, and guidance uh, people uh, to, uh, you know, to arrive at those hopefully healthy decisions, but, uh, but understand that sometimes it's, it's going to sting. It's going to hurt. It's going to leave a mark. Yeah. Take some Advil, sleep it off, get a nice hot shower. Yes. Because, because the sun will come out tomorrow. Right. Um, Right. But yeah, so I think that I think that you know we see we see some interesting. T- I I, I got to tell you one more story, and then we will move on. Yeah, Talk absolutely. about uh, Archer having PTSD and uh, you know and these these horrible horrible nightmares. I at one point in my life I was running through this. Uh, did you ever see The Shining? The big hedge maze in The Shining.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I'm running through one of those, and oh, I know wow. and I know there's somebody behind me. Somebody's somebody's coming for me, and I get to the center. Mm. I get to the center of this hedge maze, and there he is with a gun. Mm. Oh my god! And I just okay, it's him or me. And I grab that gun. I gra- I, I grab the slide, so I know yeah. it's it's not going anywhere. Right,
1: right, right. And
0: then I for everything I'm every ounce of my being just into that right haymaker. Yeah. Bam, and I connect. And as soon as I connect, my eyes open. And I'm actually in bed. And what I have actually done is dropped this hammer of a fist on my wife's head. Oh no. I was completely asleep. I was, I was out and it was a, it was a total dream. And I, it hit, I mean, it hit and it hit hard and, and she just went, ow. And and I went, oh baby, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Right back to sleep, oh, <laughs> and she has never let me forget it either.
1: <laughs> I um, oh gosh. So I I don't know if you've you've had this because you you you've done stand up comedy, so you are you're a performer. So yeah, I don't know if you've ever had the actor's nightmare where you are on stage on and, stage and not you're prepared. at a play, you don't know what the lines are, you don't know what's going on. I've had this dream. Over the last three years, I I have this dream, and it just happens in different ways. Um, the first time that it that it happened that I remember is funny. So I was on stage. Uh, it was Act One. We're getting ready to go out there. I'm like, I don't what what are the lines? What what am I doing? What? Excuse me. We get on stage, <laughs> and I'm like, Well, I'm just gonna go out here and and fake it till I make it. Uh, <laughs> and so one of the actors on stage is Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is great. Yes. Okay. And so Patrick Stewart is on stage with me. And so I am improvising my way through these, through the scene, through these lines, through this play. And at one point I'm facing, I'm facing the audience I'm downstage. Patrick Stewart, his back is to the audience, is looking at me upstage and God bless him in the dream. He can tell, I don't know what's going on. So he, he feeds me a line and he's giving me a line like, yes, because of this, no, no, no. And so I'm thinking, oh, he's trying to save me. Okay, here's my chance. And so I respond with a line, <laughs> and the look on his face was, no. and he kept walking <laughs> across the stage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! Oh, what what oh, a God. wonderful
1: and so tragic <laughs>
0: dream to have, man. <laughs>
1: oh man and i'll tell you like i said that whole dream felt like an entire act one i felt like it was on stage for 40 minutes to an hour i remember in the dream walking backstage and the actors just patting me on the back and i'm just shaking my head like what was that and then i woke up
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i don't uh gosh you know i'm i'm surprised i haven't had that more i think um i think i've i i've, I've known enough theater people I'm gonna have to ask some of my theater friends like how many times they've had the nightmare
1: the actors not yeah man (laughs) oh god (laughs) Uh,
0: I think more recently my my nightmare uh, stems from the events of this past Oscar ceremony where as a stand-up comedian I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say anymore
1: (laughs) yeah. yeah I oh my
0: Oh, uh, I, I, and I, I don't know that I've talked a lot about it on the show, but just to yeah. encapsulate, um, I didn't watch the ceremony. It wasn't until my wife and I were in bed and she yeah. she takes a quick scroll through Instagram before she calls it a night. And uh, and she nudges me. She goes, hey, did you hear about something going on at the Oscars? I said, no. She goes, look at this. And she had the video. And it was the feed, it was the feed from the Japanese. So it was, it was the the unedited version, unedited. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. And I didn't sleep that night because I went, oh, the world of comedy is different now. (laughs) It is. And I was like, oh man, what's good. So, so now what?
1: (laughs) We're, we're in a, in a place right now um, where even, even satire is lost on people. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I'm obviously I'm, I'm all for, you know, being careful what you speak about being conscious of, of, of different people, different cultures, different, different ethnicities, you know, I, there, there is something to be said about, about satire and the way that it, I think for one helps us to cope with some of the horrors of the world Yes, and helps us to, to shine a light on these things to the point that we're laughing at it. But at the same time, Hey, that's you're right. That's not okay. Yeah. Um, I, I remember one example was um, there was an SNL skit uh, that came out a year ago, two years ago uh, with Adele, Kate McKinnon. I can't remember the other the other actress that's in that sketch. But basically, they're 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 these these, these white women in Tanzania. And OK, it's about like take this exotic trip to to Tanzania and more or less it, they're they're sexualizing these black men to the point that it's uncomfortable and racist. Okay. Yeah. And (laughs) I was going to say, I can kind of see where it's going. That's the bit. That's the joke. That's the humor. That's the, uh, the, um, Oh God. I just, I I was just using the word and I can't remember the word. Um, That's the satire, right? That's, that's the gag. That's what we're getting at and people attacked it on Twitter. How dare you? This is racist, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, yes, it is racist. That's the joke. Yes. That's what we are. That's what we're, that's what we're putting an eye on. That's yeah. what we're, we're saying. That's yeah. where the funny comes in. I mean, not that it's funny, but you know, that's what yeah. we're trying to shine a light on. Uh, what yeah. We do.
0: yeah. There's, there's, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. There's, there's a, uh, there's been times and I, I haven't, um, delved into it too much just because I'm, I'm not sure that my writing skills are up to par to craft something yeah. um, that smart about it. But the times that I have, for lack of a better term, joked about racism has always been with the goal in mind to get people to see how silly it is yes, of like, yes. being, being that way is absolutely ridiculous and laughable it's laughable that people feel this way for real. Um, So that that's always been my goal. Uh, You know, when I've ever, like I said, the few times I've dealt with any sort of race material in my act is to just get people out of their comfort zones, but also to get them to see just how ridiculous feeling that way legitimately because of the color of somebody's skin is, yeah, I'm just I have I've never understood it. Not sure I ever will understand why people do that. But anyways, you know, those those people all uh you know have their thoughts and feelings, much uh probably not too similar from the thoughts and feelings of people who make Star Trek. And when you look at humans who are doing things, uh it's you're bound to ask the question, Who do we blame? Uh this episode <laughs> was written. By Michael Sussman, whose last episode was season three, episode 21, E Squared, which was directed by Roxanne Dawson, AKA Ballard Forest. Yes. And uh, we discussed that with uh, TJ Surgeon from Verge Games back on episode 67. This episode was directed by Alan Croker, uh, whose last work was uh, last week, uh, season four, episode one and two, Stormfront, the season mm-hmm. four premiere. Uh, Mm -hmm. We discussed that last week with Cinema Shocks resident film historian Justin Bishop on episode 70. And in terms of the guest stars, you know, we've we've dealt with a lot of familiar faces over season three. A lot of a lot of the Zindi, you know, had reoccurring roles where. We, well, now we're getting back to some of the familiar faces from season one and two. We've got Gary Graham once again as Ambassador Saval. Yes. Vaughn Armstrong, my man, Vaughn, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest. He's and
1: great. he's just been there since uh, oh, wasn't he in uh and uh, what did he do in TNG he's he's got quite a bit he's got quite a Trek resume
0: yeah yeah and then we've got uh former footballer Jim Fitzpatrick coming back in as Commander Williams but uh new to uh the Starfleet as 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 it is in this current uh in this current stage is uh Ada Maris playing the role of Captain Erica Hernandez now uh Uh, Ada Maris started her career doing some guest spots starring, uh, you know, guest starring roles and appearances on TV. Uh, She's got a couple of uh, appearances on The Cosby Show and Knight Rider. She also made an appearance in the film About Last Night, 1986, alongside Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, and Jim Belushi. She did 26 episodes of What a Country from 1986 to 1987. Then she appeared in the film Out Cold. Uh, from 1989 with John Lithgow, uh, Star Trek alum Terry Garr, and mm-hmm. Randy Quaid. And mm-hmm. she also made an appearance on Superboy, that was season one, episode 23, Black Flamingo. And then she did 68 episodes of Nurses from 1991 to 1994 playing Gina Kuvas. Uh, then she made an appearance in the uh, Pulp Fiction ripoff, Two Days in the Valley, from 1996 with Star Trek alum. Terry Hatcher, uh, and as well, uh, Jeff Daniels, Charlize Theron, and James Spader, which uh, I mean, I know it's not Star Trek or anything, but James Spader as the voice of Ultron, I still love like that, that, there, that trailer is still so watchable just for James Spader's voiceover. James, James Spader is such
1: a gift. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love, I don't know if you, if you ever watch Boston Public, Boston Legal. Uh,
0: uh, no, but I am, I am aware of it.
1: Yeah. I highly recommend it for, for several reasons and Star Trek reasons as well. I mean, obviously William Shatner is, is in the show as well, yes, the formula of the show to me is very Star Trek in, um, at the start of each episode, this is the social political issue that we're going to tackle today, oh. but it's in the form of a court case. Nice. And I- the, the monologues, the, the cases that are made are, very much the opposing views the it's very interesting it's very star trek uh and i don't know who it maybe it's due to casting or maybe it's due to um david e kelly i i think he's a star trek fan i don't know the guest stars that come in to all of boston legal throughout the, the four or five seasons they have all been in star trek at one point really or another. they're okay. either the judge they're the lawyer they're the uh the client they're they are in there some way. Jerry Ryan, um, Rene Auberjonois is uh, one of the, uh, one of the top names at the, at the firm. Oh, wow. Uh, Scott Bakula makes a cameo nice. as, as a lawyer. Oh, God, who else? they the faces are all over the place. I'm telling you. Nice. In every, every episode, they're like, oh, he was in TNG. Oh, that actor was in ES9. Oh, that actor was in this. Someone is a fan of Star Trek with the way that, the style of the show the commentary yeah. that they make and the casting so I for that reason alone I recommend watching it
0: I was gonna say I'm gonna have to uh, deep dive and see uh who I can who 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 might be available for an interview on uh, computer resume podcast
1: <laughs> yes
0: much like uh you know it sounds a lot like um from the 90s uh Disney animation gargoyles Yeah. Full of, oh. of Star Trek people, yeah, yeah. Oh man, well, uh, so, uh, with Ada Maras, uh, after uh, two days in the valley, she had an appearance on Home Improvement, she did 45 episodes of The Brothers Garcia from 2000 to 2004, and then this is her first of three appearances in Enterprise, so we haven't seen the last of her, and uh, we've got she also did 15 episodes. Uh, after her appearance on Enterprise, she did 15 episodes of One Life to Live from 2002 to 2010. And then uh, she also had quite a role in Mayans, MC, uh, the spinoff from Sons of Anarchy uh, from 2018 to 2021, playing Dita Galindo. And then her current episode, she uh, her current work, uh, she's done 10 episodes so far of The Garcias uh, playing Sonia Garcia. And then... As uh, to Les, we have Joanna Cassidy, uh, sci-fi and uh, uh, character actor queen. Uh, yes. She's
1: absolutely great. Oh, she's also in Boston Legal. Okay, she, good yes, to know. <laughs> she's also in Boston Legal,
0: yes. Her, her, this is not bad. For a first credit, she has a little scene in a movie called Bullet uh, from 1968 with Steve McQueen and Jacqueline Bisset. Not a bad way to start God. a career. <laughs> oh. And then she did three episodes of the original Mission Impossible show from 1972 to 1973. And she did 13 episodes of 240 Robert in 1979. And then 1982, Ridley Scott, Blade Runner. She played Zora in Blade That's Runner. Right.
1: That's yeah. Right.
0: And then 26 episodes of Buffalo Bill from 1983 to 1984. Oh, and as if Blade Runner wasn't great enough who framed Roger Rabbit she played Dolores who runs the bar yes (laughs) 1988 with Bob Hoskins and Star Trek alum Christopher Lloyd and of course uh the amazing voice work of Charles Fleischer as as Roger Rabbit and Benny the Cab and a few other people as well um and then Uh, She's uh, got some more films. Don't tell mom. The babysitter's dead from 1991 alongside Mm -hmm. Christina Applegate and David Duchovny and Jane Brock, another Star Trek alum. She plays Admiral Cornwall. She plays Admiral Cornwall on discovery.
1: Yeah. God, she was so young. I I saw the movie about a year or two ago and I looked and I said, Oh my God. Look at her she's a baby i know uh and then uh
0: 1995 vampire in brooklyn starring eddie murphy she played captain dewey and then uh rounding out her credits here ghosts of mars from 2001 alongside natasha Hinstridge, ice cube pam greer jason statham (laughs) i'm gonna take my shirt off and beat you to death with it that's my that's my that's my Jason Statham thank you (laughs) and uh and then this was uh her for her first of three appearances on Enterprise so we have not seen the last of Johanna Cassidy uh so Matt Jennings let me ask you this question yes is this episode season four episode three home is this essential viewing if somebody is sitting down and watching Star
1: Trek for the first time is this one that they can't miss? Uh, I would say that if you're trying to understand all of Trek, I would say if it's your first time, I would say this might be there might be a little too much here for you to digest right away. Mm. I would say, however, if you're trying to understand Enterprise, you can't miss this episode um, because there's just so much. There's a lot of character building that goes on um, in this in this episode. Um, there's a lot of, I think, character payoff because we see the after effects of, of the Zindi War, the Zindi story arc that, um, you know, the crew is finally being forced in some ways to, to sit and deal with. Yeah. Um, you know, we see an archer that's a bit more hard now due to the Zindi story arc. We see the, the love story between T'Pol and, and Trip that is continuing to to blossom and the drama ensues a bit more now with mm. with Paul agreeing to marry Koss. You know, we see. I mean, I guess with that, they don't really play out the, the xenophobic element too much, do they? Not really. Uh, I wish they'd have dealt with
0: that a little bit. I wish more. they. Me too. I, I, I wish was, was. I was always... going to go. Ba- I was going to go back to that before we wrap up. But
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wish that was always in. You know, in in the atmosphere because they they bring it up. So yeah, I, you know I said, oh, and you know obviously we get Captain Erica Hernandez, we get a new ship, we get the Columbia, uh, which looks gorgeous. I, I was just looking at that CG again, and I was thinking that actually held up. Yeah, it looks really good, pretty well. The Columbia yeah. looks good. So there are a lot. There's a lot of what world building for uh, for Enterprise, and so I would say if you're Going to focus on an enterprise, you can't miss that one. You have to watch it.
0: Yeah, I think I'm of the mind that if you're if you're watching first of all, if you're invested, if you've invested this much time and gone through the first three seasons, or at yeah. least at least season three in most of its, you know, most of the meat of season three, I think this is a nice payoff. Is it integral to the ongoing narrative? Probably not. But if you are also following the character arc of Archer or what I've, what I've come to call the path of the arrow, uh, if you're following (laughs) Archer's story, I think this is important to see, Uh, you know, the romance side, but not all, but all these feelings, this PTSD and feelings that he had in season one of dealing with the Vulcans and not oh, yes, being a yes. big fan of the Vulcans which yeah. was some not so subtle commentary on racism right off yeah. the bat <laughs> uh, and in the case of T'Pol sexism like he he basically told her that why don't you just stay in the kitchen sweetheart which he really like, did. it was really cringy like some of those yeah. first interactions are really cringy to watch if you're watching the progression of tapucker and you know and their blossoming romance i think you absolutely can't miss this um for archer's development for sure um i love doc flocks and i i am a little disappointed that we didn't get to explore the xenophobia uh you know a little bit more yeah i mean you're your short film and we're we're going to start promoting it here in and its in you know for real here in a few minutes, but I just wanted to ask you about being a, a, a blurred. Am I, am I pronouncing it correctly? (laughs) Yes. Have you, and, and we spoke at great length about how welcoming the, the Trek community is. Yeah. Um, Have you dealt, have you dealt with a lot of this? Were you able to identify with, with some of the thoughts and feelings that were being expressed through the characters, uh, you know, while they're there in the bar, did this, did this strike a chord for you did did it ring true or did it ring false
1: uh, I mean you know it, it, it definitely rang you know ring true in terms of being a blurred for people who don't know what it means it's a, a black nerd you just marry <laughs> the two words together and you get blurred yeah. unfortunately there are there are some stereotypes um, in our in our media um, sometimes and we're we're working on that it, it's definitely being worked on um, but I would say definitely, up until like the '90s, early 2000s, there were just some stereotypes in our media when it came to to people of color, people of certain sexuality. With black people specifically, the stereotypes were were not necessarily centered on a certain type of intelligence. Okay. So, for example, if you were 16 years old and you were a rocket scientist and you were black, you were Steve Urkel. And as endearing as that that character is, and all love to Julia White and that cast and and that show because I loved that show. Yeah, you know, at that time to to be a person of color and to be a rocket scientist and 16 years old, you kind of had to be in some ways the butt of the joke yeah. in order for it to be digested. Yeah, Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, teenager going to a very prestigious school, very intelligent. Again, the the butt of the joke. Yep. And you know, with kids growing up with kids um, at that time, the same mentality kind of followed, and I was on, I was the recipient of that mm. because with with other black kids, especially, you see yourself as one way on screen and you don't see yourself as you see yourself as the other way, but it's the joke. So it's almost as if to a certain extent you're told that you're not supposed to be this way. you're told that this is supposed to be laughable and funny. Mm. And so, when you are brought up with only being one particular particular way, you see something that that challenges that you you tend to attack it uh, because you don't understand. Yeah. And uh, I would say the same thing kind of goes along with with being a fan of of, of Star Trek and, and a person of color. Sometimes it should not be a, a a white considered a white behavior or a white thing to to like a franchise that is about diversity and about social political issues it's like right. if you if you think that to like something like that is a white thing you have to be careful about how you how you yourself are interpreting your yourself and what you I'm losing the words but I I hope that I hope that it's it's coming across you know yeah. you well, we have it, to yeah
0: there's a big uh you know I wanted to, I wanted to save our most of our discussion of new trek for for you know post credits but uh, wow. the one thing I will say is it is alarming to me how many folks are watching New Trek, New Trek being Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, right, right. and all those. How many people are watching that? Oh, it's too woke. It's too woke. It's too woke. Yeah. Okay. Let's take it back to TOS. Yeah. You had a white guy, a lot of white guys. Uh, you had a white guy, captain of the ship. Yeah. Let's not forget, over his shoulder, for the entirety of the episode, you had an African American female. He and the captain was sitting behind a Russian yeah. who was sitting next to a That's Japanese true. pilot. Yes. Like yes. <laughs> this was not long after world war II. Like, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, hell the cage, the first officer was a female. Was, yes. And the, the yeoman, another female, they're telling you can't do this. You can't do that. Gene Roddenberry said, uh, you feel free to go f- <laughs> yourself and yeah. like, Oh, I'll change it. Okay. I'll change it. Now she's an African-American woman. So, <laughs> yourself again yeah yeah so you know for people who want to say a new track is too woke i'll say okay let's forget tos take a look at the tng era like they had a counselor like mental health was becoming an issue it
1: was yeah
0: data data has often been attributed as being sort of the character through which they were exploring things like autism
1: yes Yes. Um,
0: you had a lot of people who were uh, engaged in, you know, different types of uh, romantic relationships that were not of the same, like, Will Riker isn't Beta Z, <laughs> like, that's a right, mixed relationship. Right. Yes. Troy hooked up with Worf, again. Yes. Not, they're not the same, like, it's, you know, there were a lot of different things uh, going on with many different people, and it didn't stop at TNG either he's face nine Jazzy. with the introduction of jadzia dax you started getting yes. into uh the the trans community I, i'm going to be careful just because i want to i want to make sure i don't <laughs> uh right. mislabel yes. anything here but you start to explore things of that nature as well and just you know as the show progressed we were able to talk about more things it's not that these things didn't exist you know these these things existed long before star trek yeah it's you know somebody's got their hand on the button to say yes or no so you got to play the game that's true in any aspect of life yeah at some point you have to play the game until you have your hand on the button and now right. you're in charge and you get to make the decisions that's just the nature of it and yeah it sucks sometimes but you know what other times we get to see jadzia dax uh confront a former lover a, a former yes. wife of one of her personal th- and they kiss and it's a big deal. You get to see Kirk kiss Uhura. You get to see Janeway in very masculine type roles, asserting herself. You know, uh, as the female captain with a crew that was half pirates or not pirates, but um,
1: uh, Maquis. The Maquis. Thank you. Yes, yes. yes.
0: Half her crew wanted her dead before they left space. Doc. <laughs> like she had to be kind of a badass, like right off the bat, and didn't yes. get to stop until they got back to Earth. Yes. A lot of people forget that you know when they're complaining about new track, they're like, Oh, yes. it's not like it used to be. Oh, you know what? The TNG era used to be new track.
1: Yes. And I, I don't think know we, what you want me to tell you. <laughs> I think we, we miss that. We're we're in this place, I think, right now, uh, just I think as a globe, because this mentality seems to just be around the globe. Um, mm. we're we're in this place right now where other ethnicities where where the, the queer community is um, is coming to this place of representation. Mm. And I think there is a fear from a very old mentality. There is this fear of of some kind of takeover.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a fear of a takeover. And it's it's not a matter of a, of a takeover. And I think Viola Davis said it best. I'm not trying to stand over you. I'm trying to stand beside you. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's <laughs> all... <of it. laughs> Yeah. That's all it is. That's all it is. And I think from this very old mentality, I think there's some people that are just used to seeing certain representation in our in our government, in our in our film and our television. They're used to seeing certain things, but now it's it's starting to look more like what you see every day. And it, yeah. it scares people because it's not what they're used to. Mm. But it's just it is. It is and it's going to be. it's going to be That's. it's not something that you can that you can erase you can't use a you can't use a law to erase it you can't use acts of hate to to erase it people of color queer people are still going to exist and we're going to stand beside you in union with you yeah not trying to stand over you and i think down to you know bringing it back to to our our community um you know our our nerd community our our fandoms you know we we have to remember that as well you know
0: yeah i i've said for a while that uh and i've mentioned it a couple times on the on the show here if we stand a chance of reaching the stars we have to reach sideways first like because yeah. nobody gets there alone no nobody does like Neil Armstrong didn't (laughs) and he's, and he won't be the last, but for us to really stand a chance of achieving anything that kind of resembles Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, we have to connect as a species. Yes, (laughs) And we have to be willing to, even if you don't know the right thing to ask be willing to ask questions. Like yes. y- you mentioned, the, the one guy didn't yes. know what to ask, who, who but didn't he did know what he to asked, ask, and he, it he, might he, have come come across as insulting. But he is trying to understand. He was trying.
1: He wanted that knowledge, right? He wanted that information yeah. because even showing that that curiosity for knowledge means that you want to know. You're saying, "I don't have all the answers. Yeah. I, I want to hear from you. What do you have to say?" Yeah. And I think as people who are sometimes the receivers of 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 situations like that where the question comes across, it might come might come across the the incorrect way. Mm. There is a matter of um, and people might disagree with this, but this is just what I believe. I think there's a matter of being able to gauge when someone is trying to insult you and trying to genuinely understand and they just might not have the right vocabulary. Yeah. And when that happens, if they're trying to insult you, that's that's a different story. Right. But if they're if they just don't have the right vocabulary and they're trying to get the information and they're and they're reaching, yeah, reach back. Maybe they didn't use the right words, maybe they said the wrong thing, but they genuinely want to know. Reach back. This is a time to educate. This is a time to establish dialogue.
0: Yeah. There's such a great moment in discovery when Adira and Stamets are talking yes. in engineering. Yes. And she yes. corrects she corrects him and says, I actually prefer they th- I I forget. The exact phrasing, but it was along the lines of "I prefer to be referred to as they, they, them." Yes, yes. And he had the perfect response. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, <laughs> Just, and it sometimes can, and it can be that simple. And it yes, really, you can might. Be. <laughs> and and you know what? You might slip every now and then, but when it yes. comes to mind, up. Oh, I mean, and and I've said, look, I work in stand-up comedy. Like I am in close contact with a motley crew of old young black yeah. white, american yes. foreign uh gay trans and everything else under the sun and i was hosting a show and someone said hey just remember i'm i'm they them and i said oh yes okay i'll i'll, I'll do it and if i and if i slip let me just go ahead and apologize ahead of time and they go yeah. i know where your heart's at and i was just like yes thank you that's it <laughs> i'm trying sometimes that's all um, we
1: need. That's and, all it has to be.
0: And, and there are, and there are people in my life who, who disappointingly are still of a very old mindset that it shouldn't be that way. And this, that, and the other thing. And somebody said, uh, you really don't uh, they said, you really don't have a problem with this particular group. And I said, no, and they were like, why, and I said, why should I, Yeah. It, you know what, if, if, listen, if anybody is out there listening to this, listening to this episode and thinks, Oh man, I have to ask people questions. I don't want to ask people questions. I don't want to let, you know, I don't want to, it's an, you know, it's an awful lot. It, it, Yeah. It's a lot to reach to somebody Yeah. or you can take the, the still a version of the high road and just not care what everybody else does. It doesn't matter. They're not trying to take stuff away from you. They're right, just trying right. to stand next to you, just like you said. Yeah. So if they, if they want to love somebody and that definition of a relationship doesn't match your definition of a relationship, who cares? Right. It's not that big of a deal to you it's in the not. grand scheme of things. Right. Right. You know, just let them, let them live their lives the way you'd like to be left alone to live yours. <laughs> that's, if if that's all you want, then just do the same in kind. That's, that's all people one is they want to be treated with the same respect that they would treat themselves. Uh, You know, I, maybe I'm going off and maybe, maybe I'm over, (laughs) maybe I'm oversimplifying. Maybe I don't understand, but I've always approached it with like, I, I have stuff to do. Like, I don't have time to hate people. I have stuff to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it is, there's so much energy. And I think that's another thing too. There's so much energy that goes into going out of your way to attack someone. Right. That I I don't think that people are aware of how much energy that takes. And I know some people that have a certain amount of anger towards certain things towards certain groups of people and it's just there's anger and I see I see anger all the time when it comes up. I see anger and I just I it's it's exhausting at the end of the day and you yeah. can see it wear on people. Yeah. It, that kind of stuff and people aren't aware of it when you do that when you go out of your way to to attack someone like that. It it has an effect on you. That kind of energy has to come through you first before you send it to someone. It it takes a
0: toll. I forgive the rhyme here, but it takes a toll on the soul. Like, yeah, it really does. And you, and like you said, like you have to put forth a lot of energy Uh, to be that, to be that level of me and like, Oh man, I just, yeah, I don't get it. Well, Uh, first of all, Matt Jennings, thank you so much for joining us here for a great discussion. I'll say it here and I will reiterate after the show, you have an open invitation to come back on this show. And if you are promoting something, I will be personally offended if you don't. Asked to come on to promote this show. Because I (laughs) want to talk to you. I want to talk to you again for sure. Thank you. Yes. Next week, we will be joined by visual artist and comedian, my very good friend, Mr. Andy Cummins. For Enterprise Season 4, Episodes 4, 5, and 6, Borderland, Cold Station 12, and The Augments. Which, of course, are available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Matt, I have to know. 1701 Blurred, how did this come
1: to be? Uh, 1701 Blurred, initially it started off as uh, as a solo show. Uh, I did the solo show uh, at the Long Beach Playhouse in, in California, and then I did it again at a French festival in New York, the New York French Festival. Nice. Um, and the concept of the show was just me taking uh, certain stories about my life that dealt with identity, because mm-hmm. identity is a, is a theme of the show. Um, and I I use Star Trek as the the lens in which we view those things, okay. uh, those stories of identity. And that's yeah. very much what the uh, what the web series, uh, what the pilot is about. The, I, the short film is the pilot for the web series, 1701 a blurred story. But that is the that's the point of of 1701 a blurred story. It's um it's a deconstruction, it's a breaking down of 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 identity. And and we explore, you know, what it means to be a, a person of color and to be. And to be a nerd, and do you share that part of yourself? Mm. Uh, do you acknowledge that part of yourself? Um, I mean, th- these episodes are—they're five to six minutes long. If I had a thirty-minute budget, <laughs> trust me. Oh yeah, <laughs> trust me. I would—I would extend these stories. because There's so much more to tell, but I try to tell a little snippet in—in um, each—in each episode. Right now, there's a total of three, but we deal with again. We deal with um, just being a person of color and being a nerd and for people of color, you know, how does that, how does it in some ways challenge your, I'm going to say for me, because I'm black, you know, challenge what it has been interpreted for so long to be black. Mm. And why is that a challenge? Why should me liking a certain thing be such a challenge to, to my ethnicity um, to be, to be a queer person um, and, and what's, what does that mean for, for me? I'm exploring that in this show. Um, yeah. And in terms of, of racism, exploring racism in the queer community as well, um, which is, I think, something that I've, I've experienced quite a bit in the last 10, 12 years. Um, and it, it seems to be something that we don't want to talk about a lot in the queer community. Wow. And so I really wanted to, to share a little bit uh, a little bit of that and shed a little bit of light on that as well. And those are the things that we that we explore in 1701. When I did the solo show before I did the uh, the, the episode, mm-hmm. when I did the solo show uh, and I took it to New York, there was a person getting interviewed about the French Festival. And the person said, you know, we have a, a different array of, of shows this season for the festival. Uh, where else are you going to see a show about a young gay black male professing his love of Star Trek? Um, nice. which was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. it was like, it was this great for what it was like, it was like Hey, that's great publicity. Like, please yeah. don't be able to come. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and that person did not mean it in a negative way at all, but, uh, there's, there's an element of that is, you know, again, to be gay and black and like Star Trek, it, it should not be an anomaly. Yeah. You know, it it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it should not be an anomaly. Those people exist ev- everywhere. You know, we're, we are everywhere. We're all over the place. We're not an anomaly. We're not unknown. Right. And I think more than anything, that is the mission statement of, of 1701 of blurred story is to, is to say that we're here. We exist. That's great. And
0: you know, it's not too far from my initial conceit of conception of this show is like, look, Trek is here and it's for everybody. So let's have everybody. Let's have everybody on to talk about it and just, Everybody under the sun, if you kind of like Star Trek, let's talk. (laughs) Yeah. That's my only requirement (laughs) for being on the show is that you kind of like Star Trek. (laughs) Uh, Well, so where can people uh, find uh, the pilot episode?
1: You can find the pilot episode on my Instagram. Uh, My handle is at 1701blurred. So that's at 1701. B-L-E-R-D and that's also a great place to reach me personally. And I am at
0: Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in 10 forward. like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to Computer Resume podcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Droneode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. We're a star trek we're doing <laughs> star trek stuff in space we probably got some phasels and
1: shuttle pods and we're gonna find a brand new race How's that for a slice of fried gold